The following is a Red Apple Podcast Network presentation. They say this is a big, rich town. I just come from the poet's part. Bright light, city life, I gotta make it. Welcome to Dominic Carter's podcast. This is Dominic Carter's City Hall. Now, here's Dominic Carter. Dominic Carter, Red Apple Podcast 77 WABC. I'm coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida, poolside, where I delivered a speech to a local NAACP chapter. You can listen to the Dominic Carter Show on the radio, 77 WABC, Monday through Friday, midnight to 1 a.m., connecting with young people. It's a lot easier said than done. And also the challenges of mental health. One organization is doing a great job in our area, succeeding with young people and at the same time, dealing with the challenges of mental health. That group is New York Junior Tennis and Learning. And joining us for the podcast is Mr. Uday Tambar, the president and CEO of New York Junior Tennis and Learning. Thank you for appearing on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Dominic. You are focusing, you have a program on students' mental well-being, and you've piloted a program with Hunter College. I want to begin by having you tell us about that. Absolutely. So, you know, we were founded very simply to develop the character of young people through tennis and education for a lifetime of success on and off the court. And the last couple of years, for young people in New York and beyond. The pandemic has changed how we think of providing them support, you know, to achieve this success. Anxiety, depression, stress has increased. So if you want them to succeed, we have to do more than just provide academic support and tennis. So we created a new program, so something we thought a little innovative as well, where we partner with the Silverman School of Social Work at Hunter College, um, the oldest and largest public school of social work in the city. And what we do with them is that we piloted it at it with five of our sites. You know, again, these are Title I schools, which means, you know, they're free and reduced, low-income communities. And Hunter dispatches graduate social work interns to each of these locations three days a week to talk with students and consult with their parents as well, you know, to provide them that support, to address that anxiety, depression, and stress. And this sort of psychosocial support has focused on a lot of the social factors and individual behaviors that need to be addressed for these young people to be successful. And some of the challenges that were there predate the pandemic, and it just worsened during the pandemic. So, you know, we're excited about this, and we're going to increase it to a couple more sites and the idea is that as we continue to do more and more, we're planning to expand it to more schools going forward. We are chatting with Mr. Uday Tambar, who is the president and CEO of New York Junior Tennis and Learning in New York. And the reason why I wanted to talk to you, Mr. Tambar, is because, you know, once they reach the U.S. Open, they're international world stars. But more and more these days, they are talking about mental issues. Serena Williams, for example, and you wrote an op-ed in the Daily News in which you say, and I'm quoting here, Serena isn't alone. 
last year, Naomi Osaka, who learned how to play tennis in Queens. I didn't know that, but pulled out of the French Open conceding to underlying bouts of depression. You go on to write about an Australian pro who opened up about his struggles. What's going on here as it relates to tennis stars and even when they're kids and the topic of mental health? Yeah, what's happening, Dominic, is that I believe that these, the mental health challenges that we are publicly talking about have always existed. What's different now is that a lot of these sort of elite athletes, elite players, and it's not just in tennis and other sports as well, when they talk about it publicly, they're destigmatizing conversations around it. And that also allows young people and families to reach out for much needed support, which they might not have otherwise. And what even though when you're talking about Serena Williams and Osaka and Nick Kyrgios, you know, the Australian pro, you know, these are elite, elite players. If they come out and say, hey, look, we have these struggles, then all of a sudden for you know, a young person we're serving in fifth grade who's not at that level, maybe not just yet or ever will be, can say, hey, if it's okay for them to talk about it, it's okay for me to talk about some of that anxiety I'm feeling because I was unable to be out of my house for the last two years. And you know what? That increased my stress. I can talk about it. I can reach out for the support so I can feel better about myself. I can do better in the classroom. I can do better off the classroom. So I think more and more sort of athletes and celebrities talking about this, it's great for young people because they feel more comfortable opening up. We are chatting with Mr. Uday Tambar, who is the president and CEO of New York Junior Tennis and Learning. So in looking at your daily news op-ed, you write here, and this jumped out from the page and literally shocked me. You write here, emergency department visits for suspected suicide attempts rose by 51% for adolescent girls and by 4% for adolescent boys in our country. And more of our youth were living in poverty. One study of just a five-month period found that an estimated 325,000 children were pushed into or near poverty as a result of the economic downturn. That's the world we're living in these days. 100%. And look, you know, the people who are suicidal, you have to remember that the pandemic exasperated pre-existing conditions. So these people might have some, you know, latent issues or already sort of on edge. And with the pandemic, it worsened. And even the numbers, especially for the young girls, it's scary. It's scary. And, you know, the pandemic, there's clearly the public health or challenges it posed, but there's also the economic impact as well. A lot of people, uh, um, especially low-income families, the earners lost their jobs, right? I mean, if you were sort of in the food industry business or the hospitality, which are hourly wage jobs, you lost your job. Now, all of a sudden, right, you were living paycheck to paycheck. You were somehow making it in New York, whatever the crazy rental market we have. These people have families. They're heads of families, they're earners, they have children. So now all of a sudden, the children 
don't have enough food, their stress increases because their parents' economic situation has changed. The family's economic situation has changed. And so, you know, with the pandemic, what we have realized is that whether it's on the health side or on the economic side, things have changed in the long term for a lot of families. And that's why we need to be, as people who serve communities, need to be more proactive in addressing these needs. And so you are using, if you will, as the bait, kids that that may start tennis or love tennis. And in the process, if mental health issues arise, you're starting to deal with this on the front side of life rather than letting this go on and they become adults with the same issues or pro tennis players and have the same issues, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, tennis is the hook. And we hope many of the young people we serve that they will play tennis you know, in high school and college, even beyond. But we realize that's not going to be the pathway for everyone. But we know that tennis is a way to engage them. It's a way to get them to build trust with our staff. It's a way for them to show up to our programs and then start taking advantage of other supports, including mental health. And you're absolutely right to sort of address it sort of upstream, right? Meaning before it snowballs into something else is the right way to do it. Because if you can address it in elementary and middle school, then you're not addressing it in high school, which could be a lot worse. It could also lead to at-risk behavior. Right? It could be substance use, misuse, and or it could be as adults. So you're absolutely right. It's better to get this on the front end. Well, I want to go full circle here now. So as I mentioned, New York Junior Tennis was founded more than 50 years ago, or I should say New York Junior Tennis Learning by Arthur Ashe himself. I want you to talk to me for a minute about what's the mission of the organization and how it has evolved over time. Sure. I mean, uh, Arthur has this great quote. He said, our idea is to use tennis as a way to gain and hold the attention of young people so we can teach them about matters more important than tennis. And tennis is a vehicle to reach them, to teach them not only just physical fitness, but gain confidence. And and we provide education. And over time, we provided more education services as well. And we want them to be successful on and off the court. What we fundamentally believe is there is tremendous, tremendous talent throughout the city in every corner. It could be low income, middle income, high income, but opportunity is not universal. So talent is universal, but opportunity is not. And what we try to do is create opportunities for young people that don't have access to it, through tennis and education programs. And that's the legacy that we're building on. How many youth do you work with throughout the year? For example, through the community tennis program in all 51 council districts throughout New York City? Sure. So over the course of a year, we reached about 85,000 young people in the five boroughs. Uh, In our community tennis program, like you said, it's in all 51 council member districts. It's supported by uh, council members, the speaker's office, individual council members. We reached uh, approximately about 10,000 youth through that program. Well, that's really wonderful, wonderful news. And I'm curious, what do you offer students after school and what impact do you hope to have? Sure. So, you know, 
after-school programs, which are school-based programs, and we provide academic enrichment programs that focus on character development and social-emotional learning. So, you know, in addition to tennis, we'll provide homework help, we'll have robotics clubs, we'll focus on STEM, we'll do dance. We provide, obviously, free snacks as well. And, you know, what we want is to provide enrichment opportunities in a safe and caring environment. We want them to uh, develop trust with our staff so we can get them known better, expose them to opportunities. We want to raise their expectation. I think we have a lot of young people we serve where what happens for them is that the schools they're in, the environments they're in, they, people don't expect much from them. What we try to do is raise the bar because if kids have high expectations, that's game changer, right? If someone believes in your ability to do more, that's what pushes you to try harder, to work a little bit harder. And that's what really creates success, right? It's that raised expectations. And all of our services and programs, that's sort of the fundamental belief, that we believe our young people can achieve greatness. And that's a wonderful theme and message to send to every young person. So what do you hope students gain? And I believe this is what you just talked about through not only this, but specifically through learning tennis. I guess it's like a vehicle for me in terms of football where I wouldn't be talking to you right now if I didn't have youth football. Right. Right. And look, I don't know your bio completely, but I don't believe you played in the NFL. Right. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, but the sport was transformative for you. And yes. for us, that's what we want. And we, it's not just what we want. We know that, you know, we know it's a sport where you can form great relationships. It's a way to learn perseverance. It's a way to learn grit. And we, you know, we've seen that we've seen young, young people who had attendance issues or were not that engaged in school, but then the guy on the tennis court and started liking it. The coach was pushing them and the coach said, Hey, look, for you to continue to do this, I need you to be more engaged during the school day. Boom. The kid is more engaged in the school day. His grades are going up and it's simply because he got on the tennis court. And so, you know, for us, look, we want kids to become great tennis players, but it's really for that. What we say is that success on and off the court, because we know the majority of their life is going to be off the court and we want to set them up for success for that. Well, it's wonderful what you are doing. I want you to talk to me about your background, about your career, and what led you to New York Junior Tennis and Learning. Sure. Uh, you know, for, you know, I guess about 25 years, I've had a career in public service, you know, focusing on low-income communities, immigrant communities, communities of color, and joining New York Junior Tennis and Learning about a year ago to me is an extension of that work. You know, it's trying to get into communities where there's just tremendous, tremendous potential and just trying to create these opportunities. And, you know, I've had a chance, fortunately, to work in you know, grassroots organizations focused on low-income South Asian youth, SIA, South Asian Youth Action. I've had a chance to work in City Hall as a chief of staff or deputy mayor for health and human services, you know, work at a think tanks. And, but it all is you know, the sort of the North Star and all that work has been how do you improve the lives of those families and young people that do not have the means for success. The NYJTL, it just sort of builds on that career. 
my final question, and we really appreciate you joining the podcast. Where can our listeners go? Are people listening to you right now? Where can they go to learn more about your work? Any you know time of the day, including this hour, you know they can go to nygtl.org, the website. We try to you know keep that up to date with all the information, locations, and hours and registration information. That's the best way. Our website, nygtl.org. Well, all I can say is bless you and thank you for your leadership. And you are planting seeds. Who knows? You may very well have the next Naomi Osaka that you're working with or the next Serena Williams. But even if they don't reach that level, the kids, they can be Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka's of life and just lead a good life. And so, Mr. Uday Tambar, the president and CEO of New York Junior Tennis and Learning, thank you for what you're doing. You are on the front line, and we really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. And again, from poolside in sunny Orlando, Florida, where I delivered a speech to a local NAACP chapter, I also want to thank you folks for joining us on the podcast. If you are interested in my book on my life, Growing Up in New York City and Overcoming Numerous Obstacles, the book is titled No Mama's Boy, and it will be personally signed for you by me. Or if you're interested in my bobblehead doll, you can go to my website, DominicCarterOnline.com, all one word, DominicCarterOnline.com. You can catch me on 77 WABC, weeknights, midnight to 1 a.m. Go check out the Dominic Carter merchandise at the 77 WABC store from Dominic Carter t-shirts to hats and much more. Go to WABCRadioStore.com. Dominic Carter, Red Apple Podcast, 77, WABC. Dominic Carter Socials on Twitter at Dominic TV and Facebook and Instagram, Dominic Carter TV. Email at Dominic.Carter at WABCRadio.com. Until the next episode, be well. And as Dominic always says, stay positive. The glasses always half full, never half empty. Dominic Carter City Hall.